Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. We've got another great episode for you this week. Uh, but before we get into our main topic, Angela, I know you're a big fan of adorable animals. Absolutely. And things that can fly. Uh, kind of. So, sure. adorable animals that can fly. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. I don't know where you're going <laughs> so with this. So, in, in that news, uh, Dumbo, which is an adorable little Whoa. elephant that so can wait, fly. So, wait, you really buried the lead on that. You know I love elephants. Elephants. Oh, that's why I said adorable animals. I didn't want to give it away too quickly, but the Dumbo trailer uh, for the live-action Dumbo movie that Tim Burton is making, it's coming out in 2019, the trailer premiered today. Um, so, oh, yeah. it, it stars uh, Danny DeVito, Colin Farrell, uh, I think there's some other people in there, uh, Michael Keaton. And uh, Elephant. And and, a, and an elephant, I was going to say... With giant eyes. I think I saw a Dumbo as a kid. I don't really remem- remember it that I'm much. I'm pretty sure I never saw it. I know there's a lot of people that really like it. I wasn't really too into the movie when I first heard about it, a live-action remake of Dumbo. I mean, I understand the story. It's an elephant. He has huge ears. He can fly. But after seeing the trailer, it's only about a minute and a half, but the elephant, Dumbo, he looks incredible in it for mm-hmm. a computer-animated elephant. And you can really see Tim Burton. He has that very eclectic taste. And you can see, you know, kind of his taste shining through in the trailer. It actually looks yeah. really interesting. It really captivated me. Yeah, I, I think it lends itself well. Unlike some of the other movies that they're, they've made, like I still don't know how they're going to do the Lion King live action just because it's so animal centric. But because it's really like there's so many people and then there's one animal. I mean, I'm sure there are more than one animal in the movie, but I think it, it will lend itself really well to a live action movie. Right. I'm actually really looking forward to now. Like I said, I wasn't necessarily you know gung ho about it whenever I first heard it announced, but after seeing this initial, initial trailer, uh, it's got me pretty excited. I'd have to imagine there's going to be a, a Lion King trailer because that movie comes out next year. So I have to imagine it's only a matter of time before we see a trailer for that. And I, that that's should be interesting. Like I'm you said, very to see. afraid about that one. I think that's going to be incredible because it's by John Favreau. He did the Jungle Book, which that looked uh, phenomenal. And so he's going to do that with The Lion King, and we're a couple years further ahead in the power of graphics. So I think it's only going to look that much better. I think the only issue. I do like John Favreau. Right. I so think the I- only issue, to your point with that, is you and I remember The Lion King when I mean, it came out at what, 94 maybe? Yes, 1994. So I think it's more recent than The Jungle Book. So I think a lot more people know the story of The Lion King. So it's not necessarily going to appear that fresh. But I think the spectacle of seeing a live action version of it is what's going to make it worthwhile to see. Yeah. And that movie did, I want to say something like eight or nine hundred million dollars. I mean, it was a huge blockbuster in the early 90s. It really turned Disney around. So it, people definitely love the movie. Uh, yeah. So it, I mean, it they love it so much. It's like a huge Broadway hit. It's like, is it the top grossing? I think it's the top grossing. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think it's top grossing Broadway musical of all time it's it's one of them it's i think the longest running might be uh phantom maybe i don't know we don't know enough about broadway but yeah it definitely is up there in one of the top grossing things the other thing because you love camping as well so this is disney news is all about things angela loves this week yes i've been waiting for this so disney announced a -a one-of-a-kind glamping experience at walt disney world so they're going, they're raffling off for one lucky person and a guest an evening of glamping. So that's glamour camping, 
is I think what it is. So it's kind of high-end camping. You're not mm-hmm. roughing it at all. But glamping in Pandora at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So it's one overnight. So you get to stay in Pandora overnight in a, like a luxury tent and everything's catered. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it is. It, I'm really surprised so that they're doing So we're going to win, right? And really, and all you have to do is just kind of enter and give them a reason why you should be selected. And then they'll pick some finalists. And then I think there's like an interview. So they're basically just picking people based on kind of their rationale for why they should win. So if, if you're interested, you know, definitely check it out and apply. But it's a pretty unique experience. I think or, it'd be pretty interesting. Or apply and say your name's Angela. <laughs> yeah, p- puts you in there. So it's it's pretty interesting. Hey, but- a, bi- a brief update before we move into today's episode. Uh, just I just Google searched real quick the top grossing Broadway plays of all time. And the first thing that popped up, which is from investopedia.com. So in April of 2012, The Lion King surpa- surpassed Phantom of the Opera as the highest grossing musical on Broadway. It started in November of 1997, and it is the third longest running show um, as of 2017 when this article was written. And it was, um, it's brought in more than $1.37 billion. So, yeah. So, definitely people love The Lion King. So, I, de- <laughs> I think, I think people will go see the, the live action movie. So, getting into our main topic today, we're going to be discussing kind of the history from beginning to end of the Mickey Mouse Club. M I C K E Y M O U S E, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. No, it's Donald Duck. Okay. (laughs) And kind of why this came up, we went to the Justin Timberlake concert a few weeks ago. Yeah, we did. It's on my tour. And I was thinking, because I've been thinking so much about Disney lately, that he was one of the members of the Mickey Mouse Club in in the early 90s. And it just got me thinking about kind of all the other famous celebrities that were with him and just kind of, you know, how the Mickey Mouse Club kind of launched a lot of careers. And so... Angela, I know you kind of dug into some research and it had kind of a, a rich history, so we thought it would make for a good episode. The Mickey Mouse Club, which I didn't know this, it actually started as a real club, which, I don't know, for some reason, it just kind of blew my mind. I know that it even says it in the name, but back in the early like 50s, it started in the Fox Dome Theater in Ocean Park, California. They would have meetings where people would attend character building activities and they would also watch Mickey Mouse cartoons. They became kind of so popular that they popped up around the country. There were hundreds around the country and at its height there were up to a million members. So I thought that was really interesting. I found that in an article uh, on Walt Disney Company's website. So it was kind of like one of those, uh, you know, I have to imagine like, you know, in the 50s and 60s, kind of like the, the, you know, mail-in, join a club, fan club type thing, you know, where, where, I guess, I mean, fan clubs really aren't a thing, a thing anymore. Now that they're anymore. social media, you don't need a fan club to be up to date on your yeah, favorite we've, celebrities. We've kind of seen the death of right. fan clubs during But that was time. kind of the height of, you know, if you wanted information, you kind of signed up for it. And this is so you had to go to a theater to kind of see everything. Because it really wasn't, there really wasn't television or, I mean, I guess even color movies were probably new at that point. But Right. Television was yeah. still airing in black and white. Right. We'll, just, we'll get to but uh, yeah, so this uh, like, according to this article, then that means that that uh, Mickey Mouse, the Mickey Mouse Club, was sixty three years old this year. So I thought that was also pretty interesting. The Mickey Mouse Club started as a variety show for young kids once it got onto TV. Yeah, so I guess so. Jumping ahead, so it started as a fan club 
But then when did it make the switch to television? It switched on to tele- television in 1955. So yeah, they would have comedy acts, musical acts during the show, and then also classic and original cartoons would air, and as well as dramatic serials, which I didn't realize that they had these. Uh, the Hardy Boys was one of them, and I'm actually going to talk about another one in a few minutes. So Yeah, uh, so, so basically it, it was kind of a unique programming in that it was you know all disney related programming and cartoons and different things like that but it wasn't it was packaged in as like you said a variety act kind yeah, of it sketches or right it wasn't necessarily like you know a sitcom that you would see today where it's one continuous story it was kind of broken up it was more of that you know, i guess kind of maybe american bandstand or type things where you had different mm-hmm. acts coming in but what's interesting i mean the mickey mouse club kind of started right around the time like we were saying you know, TV was still in black and white. You know, all the networks were kind of starting. So this aired on ABC. And this was the kind of the second Disney show that aired on ABC. So the first one was, it's now known as Wonderful World of Disney. So when Walt wanted was looking to build Disneyland, he needed money for it. And so he basically went to all the TV networks and said, hey, if you fund this park for me, I will produce... Uh, television programming for you and abc was kind of struggling at the time so they jumped on so they basically funded that's how walt got the money for disneyland was producing you know this wonderful world of disney program and then the mickey mouse club for them so that's kind of how you know all these programs got started early on which ultimately benefited Walt and Disneyland even more because he could, a lot of the stuff was promotions of, you know, once Disneyland opened, they would, you know, do things that kind of promoted Disney movies, Disney cartoons, you know, the, the theme park and everything. Yeah. So I, I thought that, you know, it's interesting. And now ultimately Disney owns ABC. So they've, they've kind of had a long history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you were kind of alluding to the, the show was part, like was created of course by Walt Disney, but there was also another guy in the mix, uh, Hal Adelquist is his name, and he helped to animate Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and he worked his way up through the company. But yeah, so he was he was an animator right. at Disney, and then he he kind of, you know, I think he was like the liaison between kind of the nine old men and Walt. So he, he like you said, he worked his way up and helped really create, uh, you know, the the original Mickey Mouse Club that started. Right. Uh, and then eventually he got demoted after he helped to create the Mickey Mouse Club. So that was kind of interesting. And he ended up leaving Disney. So yeah, I a- thought that was, that was pretty interesting. He, you know, it said that, you know, he kind of worked, he worked up. And then after the launch of the Mickey Mouse Club, like within a year or so, he had uh, resigned from the company and, and never worked there again. So it's, 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 I thought that was a pretty interesting little tidbit. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Uh, so the Mickey Mouse Club ran three different times. So I kind of separated all this into three each each of the times it's ran. It ran. So the first run, it was called the Mickey Mouse Club. So the first time it ran from 1955 to 1958, and then it also ran as reruns during weekday afternoons from 58 to 59. But that was just reruns, like I said, and it did really well. It was nominated for a primetime Emmy award for best children's series in 1956. And it it received a golden globe award in 1957 for television achievement. So, I mean, it, it did quite well for the time period. And I thought it was pretty notable that when, like I looked at some of the, the illustration for the original Mickey mouse club and Mickey looks so different. I mean, 
I guess I should have known this because when you go to Disney World, you can always like people have those hats, you know, those cool hats that have Mickey throughout the ages and all the different ways that he's looked. But in back in the day, like his ears were sort of oval and they were way yeah, bigger. They were, yeah, they weren't the round kind of shape you see. And like you Even said, he, he's face. Kind of, yeah, yeah, he's kind of transformed over time. He's got a facelift. Yeah, he's he's kind of gotten that rounder face. Now, what was interesting he was is on he did have that. He did kind of have that like yellowish color because at some, at one point he switched from that kind of yellowish pale color he has today um, to white mm-hmm. to kind of more back to the Steamboat Willie type look. Mm-hmm. So this was, you know, he kind of went Steamboat Willie, then he went to this Mickey Mouse Club look and then, you know, he started rounding out, but his face went all white and now he's back. What's interesting is the new um, kind of Mickey cartoons that they show on the Disney Channel and actually what they're they're using as the basis for the new ride in Hollywood Studios, uh, the Mickey's, I think it's called the, the Great Escape or Great Adventure Ride, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail, that, that's what it's called. That look of him is kind of the more, it's not the rounded face look, it kind of harkens back more to this, you know, 50s and 60s look, oh, um, really? where he kind of has a thinner face and things. Yeah, so um, a he- lot of people, you know, some people like it, some people don't, but you know, it's a, it's a different stylized look. So everything, you know, kind of circles back around. Huh, that's interesting. And the other thing I liked about this illustration, which I don't quite understand why they even got rid of it, is the eyebrows. He still has eyebrows. Oh, well, I, I saw yeah, it a number of yeah, illustrations he does, him without. Sometimes he does have eyebrows. Uh, sometimes he does. But if you look at like the Mickeys in the park, they have they have eyebrows on them. Okay, yeah. I think it was the animated series that I was really mostly looking at. Right. So from this original series, like I said, there were a number of stars that emerged from the various runnings of the show. But the one that really sticks out from this particular, you know, like original run is Annette Funicello. Uh, she was the one of she was the original kind of Disney star. So that's what's so fascinating. I mean, we all think about a lot of the the stars today. um, you know, like Miley Cyrus, you know, who got her start on the Disney Channel as Hannah Montana is kind of Selena a singer. Gomez. Selena Gomez, exactly. But Disney's been doing this and they've kind of had this formula down for years. And I mean, we know we've had this because like with the newer Mickey Mouse Club, which we'll get to, but this is going back all the way to 1955 right. with the Netflix. She was kind and of the she, first one that she was huge. Yeah. The Disney signed, they had her and kind of developed her on the Mickey Mouse Club. And then she became this, you know, huge movie star. Right. So she had her own variety show within the Mickey Mouse Club and it was called Annette. And it was like, you can actually find this on YouTube, by the way. I watched the whole first episode the other day. I didn't at first I watched the first couple of minutes and didn't think it aged very well. But as I watched it, I actually thought it was kind of charming. I mean, it was dated, but I thought it was charming. Basically, the premise is that like her uncle and aunt are very uptight and then um, they don't have any kids and they're older and she just shows up on their doorstep and her dad, I guess something happened to him. I didn't watch past the first episode. So she gets sent to their house and it's like, Hey, um, I'm here. I'm your, I'm your niece. And they're like, we didn't know you existed. We don't have room in the house for, for like a child. And I think that it must be like the story of her sort of loosening them up. And yeah. So and it's kind of that, like you said, that show within a show idea. So right. it's like they have, you know, this completely filmed segments. Uh, and we'll definitely, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, videos out there of, of previous 
Mickey Mouse clubs and kinds of episodes. So we'll we'll put some of those yeah, up we'll link to on them. our website. So if you go to enchantedearspodcast.com and you just look for the post related to this episode, uh, this is going to be episode eight. So if you look for that, you'll you'll see that we'll post some of those those videos on there. But yeah, but she really, I mean, from the Mickey Mouse Club, she was on it for a few years in the first run. And then I think what 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 were some of the movies that she went into? She was with Frankie Avalon, right? A lot right. Of she did a bunch movies. of the beach movies. Okay. So she actually, after she was done, Disney had her still signed, and she became actually known as Annette. Like she was like Beyonce, Bono, Cher. Like people just would say her name. It was a household yeah, name. Yeah, I think a lot of people knew know who her. she was. Exactly. So that was that's kind of cool. And uh, she was America's sweetheart. I read somewhere that she was like a lot of boys first crushes because she was she was beautiful and she had even a couple of singles that hit the top 100 list so she had tall paul and odio mio i listened to a couple of them uh we can also link to the those they're very 50s sounding um pretty decent so yeah she she was super smash hit she seemed to be awesome and acting and singing and Basically, everything that she touched turned to gold. Yeah, and she really, like I said, she paved the way, I think, for a lot of these later stars that Disney, you know, kind of created through their other shows because she was such a success, you know, from this show. And I think that kind of showed how, you know, Disney, like kind of the Disney machine could kind of cultivate celebrities and stars because they had, you know, so much tie into merchandise and music and TV shows and movies. It was easy if you had somebody that people liked to really, you know, kind of expand them out there. And then the other thing with the original Mickey Mouse Club was kind of the creation of the Mickey ears that everybody wears. Yeah. You know, so that the the, the Mouseketeers, um, you know, the cast of, of the Mickey Mouse Club, as they were called, you know, they wore these ears and they were created by Roy Williams, I, mm-hmm. I believe, you know, and kind of just using kind of like a you know cartoon gag where. Well, it was it was from an old cartoon, right? Carnival yeah, we're, we're, Kid, I believe, yeah, it aired in like nineteen twenty nine. Where Mickey kind of removes the top part of his head and thought, oh hey, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, if, like like he's doffing a hat. Right, and people, oh that would be a good idea if you know you just kind of wore the top of Mickey's head like a hat exactly. So you know he created the Mickey ears, and now that's a huge phenomenon. Right. That it is. I mean, there's. You, I mean, when we were getting has, married, somebody gave ears. gifted us the like the the mini the bride one with the veil, and you had Mickey one. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. So I thought that was interesting everywhere. that this that that kind of started as part of the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. So moving on, uh, after it was canceled, they brought it back again as the new Mickey Mouse Club. And this one was a first-run syndication, and it ran from 1977 to 1979. Yeah. What was interesting about this is that it basically was canceled bef- like, b- as it got started. So like the, uh, like they had the cast. They relaunched it. The cast was a part of the Super Bowl halftime show. I want to say it was Super Bowl 11, 11. which I find fascinating because if you think about the Super Bowl halftime show now, <laughs> the Super Bowl is so huge. There's 110 million people that watch it. Could you imagine, you know, some new kids program, the ca- their cast coming out and being part of the halftime show? The Wiggles come out and perform. Yeah, it I mean, it's, just, it's just like crazy I mean, to dated. think that. But, you know, when the Super Bowl first started, when it was Super Bowl 11, it wasn't, you know, the huge you know national holiday at least in America, that it is today. So they had the cast out here. They had high hopes for them. But as you said, I think after a few months, they kind of 
they kind of canceled. They they quit making new shows and they just repackaged. They filmed a few new segments and repackaged kind of other segments to keep it going for a few years because more, as you said, it was in syndication. So networks kind of picked up what was existing, but it wasn't like they necessarily um, filmed a lot. It, it didn't do as well as they had hoped. Right. I think they had high hopes for it, but it didn't do as well as they initially high thought. High hopes, high hopes. One of the big stars that kind of emerged from this is Linda Welchel. I, I, I'm guessing that that pronunciation is okay. And she spent a lot of her, the 80s, after like she, the, the Mickey Mouse Club was over, but she spent a lot of the 80s as Blair Warner in The Facts of Life. Like she p- was huge after, um, after the Mickey Mouse Club ran. So I thought that was really interesting. And another thing that I thought was super cool is in 2009, and this is what really made me want to talk about her, she was the runner up on Survivor, like CBS's reality tv show really? survivor i yeah. didn't know that that's that's pretty funny yeah like i wonder so, if people recognized her on the show or i wonder if she was part i'm of sure some she sort mentioned of like it i didn't thing. i didn't go that I deep I that i rewatched you, an entire season of i imagine survivor. you would try to keep that under wraps if you were an actor or an actress like that or you were you know some sort of celebrity that unless you were on some sort of celebrity edition which i don't think they've ever done a celebrity edition of survivor i feel like the i don't f- think you would want to tell people you know, hey, I was on the Facts of Life because I feel like the they're going to be they're going to be gunning for you. People even our age could have watched. Nah, but I think they're going to be. I think they'd be gunning for. Her. I think she would try to keep that under wraps. Well, that, whatever. That's beside the point. Yeah, hey, write to us and tell us if you watched that season. You know how she played it. But yeah, and she's also like besides singing and acting and slaying at being on reality TV, she is also a life coach. Like you can go on her website now, and I thought that was kind of cool too. Like she obviously has made a really awesome and full career for her. Like you can book her for speaking arrangements and things like that. So thought that was, yeah. And then the other person kind of from that time period, uh, that probably a lot of people will know is Molly Ringwald. Well, she would just appeared on a show. Yeah. But she, yeah. So she was on one of the shows, but she yeah. was a pretty she was popular like a special guest. Yeah. But she was, I mean, she, that was kind of early in her career. Cause in the eighties, that was kind of when she was in, all of the the John Hughes movies, mm-hmm. um, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles. So that was kind of early on. So I mean, it's yeah, she would maybe she probably was wasn't also, that big of a star then, right? Exactly. So I mean, but you know, kind of tangentially, she was a part of it as well. Yeah. So then, so that was pretty. That was a pretty short-lived time period of it, right? And then it it kind of went away for a while. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm curious seeing as it didn't do so well, I'm wondering why they actually decided to bring it back a third time. Yeah. You would think like, you know, third strike, you're out, but it, well, it didn't work that way. Yeah. Well, this time. so, so I guess what happened going back a little bit to, to the, the first run when the, the first run of it originally ended because Disney and ABC couldn't agree to a fourth season. So they couldn't agree mm-hmm. to negotiations for a price for a fourth season, but in kind of the fallout of that, ABC owned the rights to the first three seasons. Mm-hmm. And so Disney could not air those episodes on any other network and they really weren't allowed to create that. So, I mean, to this day, ABC owns the rights to the original Mickey Mouse Club seasons. Now, again, yeah, now are. that ABC is owned by Disney, it's not a big deal. But that's why there really wasn't any new episodes for a while. Oh. And then, you know, like I said, they kind of, brought it back in the 70s and then i think when they brought it back a third time 
What's, what was the title the third time? So the third time was they added one word to make it different. It's the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. And this one became known as the MMC. MMC, yeah, later years. But this was on, this premiered on the Disney Channel. So this was when Disney created the Disney Channel and they needed programming. So I think that's why they brought it back at this point because they had their own channel now. They needed a lot of original programming. So what better than a Mickey Mouse Club um, you know, new kind of season. Right. And a lot of our, like a lot of really popular stars today got their start on the MMC. Yeah. This is, this, it's, it's, this is it's insane. It's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah like, this version of it uh, is just absolutely loaded with the number of people. Like I said, you think now in the, in the 2000s, like you said, with Selena Gomez, Hillary Duff, Zac Efron, um, Miley Cyrus, kind of all those people that got yeah, their the start on. on the Disney channel. You, I mean, they're, they definitely have had great careers. But the people on the Mickey Mouse Club from the early 90s is just staggering. Like the the talent they had and the careers, many of those people were at the are at the top or near the top of their professions and basically everything oh, yeah. they went into. So then we're going to kind of get into some of those, which, which you'll know about. Right. So I there are a few that, I mean, I wasn't as familiar with, but um, like Tony Luca he was, uh, he acted and sang, and then whenever he finished, I, I think he kind of tried to, you know, create his own band. But what really brought him back is he appeared on season two of The Voice, which reunited him with another one of his Mouseketeer friends, Christina Aguilera, which I'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, he came in, he came in third. So, I mean, after that, new doors opened up, and he toured with bands like Maroon 5, Kelly Clarkson, and Sarah Bareilles. So, he had a pretty successful career from the Mouseketeers. Uh, and then J.C. Chazez. Chazez. I, I never Chazez. Know, Chazez. I never Chazez. know how to say his name. Yeah, he obviously, is, he's a former member of NSYNC. So he got his start there. And then, of course, he so had... So did the Mickey Mouse Club create NSYNC? I would, I would I mean, say... Can so. we, can we can say Disney? Can we address Disney? Your, 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 the way you say NSYNC? NSYNC. Can, can we say Disney created NSYNC? I... Because you so. had JC and then JT. Do they overlap as cast members? There are pictures of them together, so I would assume okay. so. Yeah. So it all started there. Because it really, I mean, it was, what, five or six years after yeah. the Mickey Mouse I'm Club I'm not sure how the band started. originally got together. but I, I mean, would, I know I there's, would, other, there's other people involved, but well, yeah, it's, no, it's but just funny. I'm wondering, yeah, it's probably they knew each other and said, hey, I don't know. I'm, I have no idea. Yeah, you had some of the biggest, speculating. between those two and then Christina Aguilera, you had some of the biggest people uh, of kind of the 90s singing. And oh, then, yeah. And then we'll get to Britney, too. So. Yeah, yeah. So another one that came from this, which I didn't really realize, is Carrie Russell. She uh, starred in a lot of different movies. She was in Waitress, which is a also a musical. Great musical. Yeah, it's, it is a Sarah cool Bareilles wrote the music for that. Exactly. And I, think, and I think you said, I don't know if you said it, but you had in our notes here that Tony Luca uh, worked with Sarah Bareilles. At, yeah. at one point. So and kind he of, dated Carrie Russell, I believe, at one point, too. Really? Okay. So, yeah. So, a lot of connections these, there. Yeah, these, Mickey, these there. Mickey Mouse Club members really like to date each other. <laughs> JT and Brittany. She was in Planet, Dawn of the Planet, Planet of the Apes. She was in Mission Impossible 3. She's on the TV series The Americans as a series regular, um, which is pretty popular. Uh, so, yeah, she's had a, a large a pretty nice career ever since that she left uh, the Mickey Mouse Club. So now I'm kind of getting into the, the 
what I the would more consider. more heavy hitters. Yeah, as a 90s kid, I these are what I would consider the heavy hitters. Christina Aguilera, who hasn't had like as lasting fame, I feel like, as she did, like in the 90s, she was super popular. But she is, first of all, she's, I always forget that she's bilingual. Her dad is from Ecuador, so she can sing in Spanish and in English. Has and, she done any sort of Spa- Spanish yeah, albums? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she, and her breakout hit, of course, is Genie in a Bottle, which I totally listen to that every morning, like, getting ready for school on my CD player or kids. What that is, is it's a flat disc, okay, and you put it in this machine thingy, and then it plays, and it's a big thing, and it takes up a lot of space. It's not like the little tiny machine that you have that's like a square, and it, it plays, you know, like, and all of your music is in it. It's just one single disc, and it only holds, like, maybe 20 songs if you're lucky it's insane you have to explain that <laughs> that cds have come and gone that quickly yeah yeah it's just crazy well nowadays they just probably play with them like frisbees <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like so she her first single was uh genie in a bottle and um since then she has been she just recently left not a couple years ago but she was a former coach on the voice as well so huge success uh and then, of course, one of her other, like, divas that, that appeared at the time, which was also a Mickey Mouse Club person, drumroll, it's Britney, baby. So, Britney Spears. Uh, Joe, I bet you know that Britney was a member of the MMC, but did you know that she actually auditioned at the age of eight and she was told she was too young? No, I didn't know that. So, that she, so she tried to get on, was turned down, and then... Right. Came back later. Yeah. So the casting director obviously saw that she was talented and uh, he introduced her to a New York City talent agent. And then later on, I mean, obviously she worked with that person and then she was cast in 1992. Yeah, she she kind of realized like, oh, OK, well, I can't get into this right now because I'm eight years old. But she worked on her talent and she got in eventually, which is pretty awesome. And she was huge in the late 90s. Her first our uh, first single was Baby One More Time. And uh, Joe, would you like to guess how many number one hits that Britney had? 30. All right. Next question is how many do you think? Well, what's the answer to that one? Hang on. I'm going to tell you both at the same time. How many do you think hit the top 10? Hit the top 10? Uh, so she had 30 number ones. You're way over, by the way. It's yeah, not as many as you think. Yeah, I was going to say 30s. I don't think she has 30 Like songs. Billboard number she one. She only had a couple albums. I'm going to revise that. Down. I'm going to say she had 30 in the top 10. And I'm going to revise number ones down to six. All right. So she had, according to Billboard, five number ones. Oh, so I was close. And 13 top tens. I was way off on yeah, that. Yeah, you were super off. But um, I was close yeah, I was I was a little shocked when I looked the statistic up because I thought it was going to be a lot higher. She really only had like a few albums. I mean, she but, had yeah, she... she had a lot of huge hits, like a lot of songs that were huge hits. But she didn't necessarily have right a ton of albums that are huge hits. Like you look at somebody like a Taylor Swift, right. who they play. She can release an album, and for two years they're releasing singles, singles off of that. that hit the top ten. Because, you know, half her album is great hits. Whereas Britney, again, a couple huge runaway hits. Like you said, you know, Baby One More Time and some of her other songs. Oops, I did it again. 
But like, yeah, but her as far as her albums go, I mean, she only had a few albums, and they didn't necessarily they weren't full yeah. of hits. So that, that kind of makes sense. You would I think, think that, it would have been higher. Again, but yeah. like us as '90s kids, I feel like we I knew all yeah, of Britney songs, songs, like right. because I listened to the CD as I was getting ready in the morning. Right. Like, it, but you have to think about it. As people when they release a, an album. And really, what gets played on the radio? One or two songs. Yeah, off a couple of it. songs, yeah, like three, so, four exactly. if you're lucky. Right. But yeah, we I knew I knew all of them. Moving on from Britney, I did not know this. Ryan Gosling yep, was. Ryan Mickey- Gosling was on it. Yeah. So like, and I looked up because I was like, is this last name really Gosling, like a baby duck? But it is. Like his name is really Ryan Gosling. Yep. So um, yeah, he. He's an actor. He's a singer. He appeared in like The Notebook. Of course, he's like that very like iconic picture of him kissing Rachel McAdams in the rain. And he was uh, not the winner of the best picture in 2017. Well, of course, he's not a picture. Well, he his movie La La, La, La Land. Land. Sorry. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So he was, he not, was in La La Land. Yeah. Man, I really ruined that joke. Um, but yeah, he so. I just watched Didn't that. Didn't he win though? Didn't he win the Oscar for Best Actor, or did he not win? For I that? don't I'm think he did. Emma Stone won for Best Actress, but yeah, I just rewatched this by the way, um, just because I don't think I ever did. That was painful. Like they literally had given all of their at the, uh, the Oscars, they'd given all their acceptance speeches, and then the guy who gave the first speech came up and he's like, "Um, we didn't win, by the way." Like very blase. Like, "Oh yeah, we didn't win. It's actually Moonlight." No, seriously, this isn't a joke. It's hilarious. Like crazy. Yeah, so Ryan did not win. Right. He was but, he was nominated. You were right. Uh, Emma Stone won, but Ryan right, didn't win. Right. So he uh, he also has a band. I didn't know this. It's called Dead Men's Bones, and he's not married. Everybody has a band. <laughs> Jared Leto has a band. Well, all yeah, the, but all Jared Leto's band's pretty popular though. Yeah, but all the, is he uh, five seconds of summer? Thir- is that him? No, thirty seconds to Mars. Thirty seconds. Yeah, there's yeah. Some- they just they numbers just came back out. And, they just yeah. came back out with the novel. But all these actors, they have bands. Right. But- Warren Buffett has his own band. Jeez. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he's in a relationship with Eva Mendes. I didn't realize that, and they have two daughters together. Yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that they were in a relationship. Uh, I didn't know that he had two children though. Yeah, uh, but I, I do kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah, Eva's so. kind of disappeared. I mean, she was in she was in Hitch, and I'll I, be honest, I, I get him confused with Ryan Reynolds <laughs> all the time, and I think a lot of people do because there's always this stuff on Twitter where people are confusing the two. Like they joke about it that they're very right. similar. They, lo- they don't really look Blake, that much. Blake alike. Lively always, who's Ryan Reynolds' wife, is always joking that. She's confusing Ryan Gosling with Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> and it, it's kind of they have a they have kind of a funny little you know back and forth going. But so in my mind, for some reason, I kind of I think it's because they're both Ryan. And they I they mean, do they look, look vaguely they look a little alike. Similar. Yeah, yeah. So I get them I get them confused a little bit. So that's why I don't think I fully remember all the details of uh, right. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Reynolds so. to me is a lot more attractive. So I don't know. I they're not they're not that close to me but yeah they do kind of look a little alike so yeah so he he had a massively successful career like starting still going i mean they're yeah, all still, still going all yeah, these people are, right. are still going so right and my last one and this is the, the reason why we started this yeah episode the reason the first why we place. started it was is jt justin timberlake he's bringing mickey back what <laughs> yeah so he's a singer he's been an actor on occasion he's been in a couple different movies 
And he also has his own like clothing line. And we should have referenced that whenever you were talking about clothing designers, like what last week, two weeks ago. Uh, he has everything. He has he, his own clothing. I think he has his own whiskey, Tennessee kids whiskey or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he's just everything. I mean, with NSYNC and then he kind of went solo and now, I mean, he's huge by like as he, a solo artist. He's now. one of those, t- he's pretty timeless too, because he's one of those people that I remember like certain stints when he hadn't come out with new music. I mean, it would have been what, 10, 10 years or something from between albums between I think so, when yeah. he had like, I was it ju- not justified. Um, was it justified? And then like his future sex love, it had been a, quite a, like a span of time. And it, like, even now, like this, he like just goes long periods of time without releasing any music. And everyone is always chomping at the bit for him to release something right. new. Cause like, he puts on, I mean, he, he has great songs. Like you said, he puts on a great show. I mean, his yeah. Highly recommended. Great. Yeah. His concert was great. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was awesome. But yeah. He's just a natural performer. performer. I mean, probably out of all of these people on here, um, like I said, they've all had great careers, but he really seems to be just the most naturally gifted performer. Yeah, for I, it. I think it's all the dancing and everything that he does. In addition right, to right, he can dance, he can sing. He's acted a little bit, like he's yeah, he's acted a yeah. little bit. But I, I mean, you know, Ryan Gosling definitely he is a great actor, but I don't know that I you've never seen him kind of. I guess with La La Land he sings, but he just doesn't seem to have that all around charisma and entertainer that you get with, with Justin Timberlake. Because Justin does it live, whereas, you know, Ryan, it's, it's all filmed. Um, right. And everybody else has kind of had their ups and downs, like you said. Christina Aguilera was pretty big. Britney was pretty big. They've kind of... I mean, Britney, she, still, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't like to undercut Britney because I didn't even mention, like, she had a two-year run at, in Vegas. Like, right. So right. she... Yeah, I mean, they're still relevant, but it's just like... I feel like Justin is still... As, yeah, as he's still Justin. coming out with new albums that, you know, are, right. are hitting number one and everything like that, so... Right, so um, would you like to take a guess on how many uh, Grammys... Justin has that he's has one or that he has been nominated for he has one and then guest nominations because I have both I'm gonna say and is this just him as a solo artist both okay so this is so this is him as a solo and as a member of NSYNC part of the group uh I'm gonna say he has won eight Grammys 10 10 okay and I'm going to say he's been nominated for 25. 20 nominations. Okay, close. Not bad. Yeah, Not no, bad. you're a lot closer. So he's 50%. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's just incredible. So, I mean, that's kind of what I have there. The only other thing that I thought was kind of an interesting little tidbit, and this is kind of harkening back to the, the original Mickey Mouse Club, is that they actually filmed uh, a lot of – like the original, like the opening theme, some of Mickey Mouse's intros and goodbyes, some of the shorts and stuff. They filmed that in color, despite the fact that it was broadcast in black and white. I actually white. found that. I actually found the intro in color. Did I'll, you? I'll, yeah, I'll post a link to it. Oh, that's uh, cool. But yeah, yeah they, they made everything in color. And really, it was all animated. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they filmed it in color, I mean, they're drawing it all in color. So it's just a matter of filming it. And it makes sense because Walt was so ahead of the time as far as filming and sound. A lot of the stuff that we have today, kind of like the, you know, surround sound and in theater sound and and color pictures, Walt was a big proponent of because he was always trying to make his films better. So being an animator with 
with cartoons, he was always kind of pushing it to the next level. So he developed the multi-plane camera. He wanted to bring in you know his his silly symphonies, and so he wanted sound with the movie. So he you know worked on developing speakers and kind of syncing that up. So he really pushed the medium. So it makes sense that he would you know want to film stuff in color even though it, he knew it was going to be in black and white. This is why I love you. You're so, such a geek. So. <laughs> but actually, the Mickey Mouse Club is still around today. So they have, it's now Club Mickey Mouse, but right. it's strictly on social, social media. media. Yeah, so they still, like, you know, they keep it going. And that's the thing. It, it's pretty crazy, I mean, to think something that started on TV in 1955, um, but started as an actual club even before that, has been going on so long and it's gone through all these iterations. And it's something I think we kind of forget about because it's not necessarily, especially now it's on social media. It's not a predominant show. I mean, I think the last you know main time it was on TV was in the nineties. And even then they had kind of canceled that, but it kept going for years because they had so many, there, it was originally, we didn't mention this. It was originally a once a day show. And each day had a certain theme oh, that yeah. they kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. But then at the at the end, during the last iteration of it, they decided they weren't going to make any more episodes. But instead of airing them daily, they just aired them once a week. Uh-huh. So they were able to run it for so like, like two drag more, it out. They were able to run it for like two more years wow. without filming any more episodes. Wow. So they kind of kept it going that way. But so it's it's had to such a longevity and it's had so many incredible performers as alumni um, that it's just pretty phenomenal of you know how Disney had has kind of done this and and really you know grown these people and and kind of had so many superstars. And you kind of wonder were these people always destined to become these superstars and Disney just happened to find them or you know Disney saw something nobody else saw and kind of helped groom them and grow them. I mean they definitely with like Justin Timberlake and Britney. I mean it's not like that they, they completely did their careers for them. Um, but I mean, it, there is something to be at said. At least as far as Brittany was concerned, I know she ran out and found that, you know, that talent agent. So right. yeah, but there, she did a lot for herself. Right. But too. there is something to be said that if you have whoever your talent scout was, they found Ryan Gosling, Christina Aguilera, yeah. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, JC Chazé. I mean, all those people, the list they missed goes me on. though. It wasn't around. I mean, you guys have heard me sing. I'm it just wasn't like around. You were too. Right? You were too young. Back it's like then. Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> you were too young back then, but yeah. But I mean, it's just incredible that they found all of them. So there has to be something to be said for you know Disney helping their careers, but in the same respect, I mean, they were you know always talented as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's pretty much it. But yeah, have- I thought it was a pretty pretty interesting. You know, as you, you know, you kind of researched it a little bit. Um, and then as you know, we a were little lo- bit <laughs> as, we, as we were looking through the notes, I mean, it was just pretty fascinating. Like all the people, like you said, I wasn't aware of everybody that had actually been a part of the Mickey Mouse Club or kind of the origins of it. Right. So it, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I fell down a few rabbit holes definitely along the way. Like I hadn't planned on watching portions of Annette or I hadn't planned on listening to some of the music of the, some of the members. So yeah, it was just, it was interesting because once I started to find out about these people, I wanted to know more about them. Uh, so it took a little bit longer to research them than I would have thought initially. Like I said, overall, I mean, I think it was pretty good. You can check out our website, enchantedearspodcast.com. Like we said, we'll post uh, some of the videos from various seasons, um, you know, various iterations throughout the year. Some of, some of the original stuff, like I said, that 
um, opening credits that was in color. So if you want to check that out. Next week, we should be starting our trip review from Disneyland. So we'll kind of be talking about how our trip went and all the different things um, that we did there. So be sure to tune in next week. That'll probably be a a multi-part episode. But, you know, in in the meantime, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review, please. It helps so much. Yeah, yeah, leave leave a review um, and do anything. You know anything you can at a rating, tell all your a rating friends. Review. Check us out uh, on Facebook at Enchanted Years Podcast. You know, like the page while you're there. Uh, until next week, uh, thanks for listening and have, have a, a magical, magical day. day.